listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, a show about internet culture and communities. And speaking of the internet, did you know you can download books from the internet? And not just any books, audiobooks. They're books that read themselves. That's right. This very podcast is supported by Penguin Random House Audio, who publish thousands of award-winning audiobooks every year. This month's theme is mystery and thriller. So visit penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash podcast to browse their selection, which includes titles like The House Swap by Rebecca Fleet, An Unwanted Guest by Shari LaPena, or Past Tense by Lee Child. The best part is, you can listen to Penguin Random House audiobooks wherever you get your favorite audiobooks. Audible, Barnes & Noble, or Penguin.com. Speaking of mysteries and thrillers, we now return to today's creeptacular audio transmission, which we should have published on Halloween, but couldn't book the interview in time. Here are your favorite ghost hosts, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. everybody i'm jen i'm still Allie, and this is still two girls one podcast welcome back it has not multiplied no it ha- it's one podcast right mm-hmm, just one just one and we created it because Allie and i are performers whose work has looked at the internet and communities on the internet we had um a live show that we would perform called blogologues where we would use the internet as a script looking at who could be saying the words behind these internet posts and performing it in front of a live audience. From there, we made a web series, Two Girls, One Show. You can find it on Hoo Ha Ha. And then that we... Yep, yep, that's right. (laughs) Allie died a little inside. I was hoping Jen was going to go fast enough that it wouldn't happen. You know what? Even it wasn't, it wasn't you, Jen. It wasn't you. It was him. It was him. It was him. Okay, cool. (laughs) I have a Uh, name. That that guy. That... That Matt guy. Okay, I said his name is Matt. Uh, So we made this web series. We interviewed people behind internet posts. We went on scripted adventures. And now here we are today. We're interviewing people from the internet. This is is where we've come after all this time. So welcome. And today's episode. Yeah. Today's episode is looking at something that has been around for a long time on the internet. So I think. You're correct. Creepy pasta. That's right. Halloween is not over with Two Girls, One Podcast. It's never, ever over. <laughs> Allie, how was your Halloween this year? It was not so great because I had bronchitis. Oh, man. You know what? Yeah. I knew that. <coughs> I didn't know it was it's bronchitis, okay. though. Is that the official word? I have not actually been told it's bronchitis, but I've been coughing for over two weeks and have 100% of the symptoms of bronchitis. So Matthew okay. gets to edit out my coughs today. Yay! <laughs> but I like that you said you had bronchitis, then coughed a little bit just to, to prove to us <laughs> and to the audience that it's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's like when you, when you like uh, call in sick when you're not. You, <laughs> you got to add a little tremble to the voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't feel well. Like when you're a kid telling your parents you don't feel well. Anyway. It, it, sounds, it sounds a little bit like. <laughs> it yeah, does sound a little like that. Like that. It's just um, like that. Yeah. But Chen, how was your Halloween? I mean, I still went out for a little bit because I was on an antibiotic and I couldn't resist. There was a dance party in the streets, so I went to that. I had a dream the other night, I because of you, that Burning Man was Burning Man was on the streets of San Francisco and like people were just dancing in the street and it was so much fun. Maybe one day that will happen. That is um, pretty much what Halloween was here. Every day. So. I saw some quote <laughs> Yeah. I saw some quote that was it. like, you know, 
Yeah, in San Francisco, like Halloween's just like every other day. Um, well, it's true. I did. I did not dress up, but I have a theory that if you're a performer, you you are so used to being in costume that it doesn't do anything special for you. So I don't know. We're getting a little old. Maybe I'm being a, a Debbie Downer party pooper. Did you dress up, Matt? No, and I I agree with you. I'm not a performer per se, but like as a content creator, I'm like I want to make something for the internet out of whatever's going. If, I, if I'm going to put on a costume, there better be a I better be making a video and it better like, be results. Be, yeah, so there better be results. So just like walking around the neighborhood showing my neighbors like a cool costume, like not that interesting. But my kids useless. obviously dressed up. They're useless. <laughs> I can't get views from that. But my kids dressed up. They had a really good, really good time. Really good Halloween. You can get wow. real. Real life views. Boring. Boring. <laughs> I, see, I feel the same way about like weddings, right? I'm like Jen and I. Yeah, because hear me out. Jen and I put on live shows, right? So we've spent a lot of time doing event planning, right? And it's a fucking bitch. So I'm it's like, a nightmare. Wait, you're gonna put on this huge ass party, and there's no revenue stream. <laughs> well, 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 it depends well, how, you, the gifts. how well there's you the do gifts. the gifts, but the gifts never outweigh like you should a true Yeah, you're not wedding, breaking even. That's you should, true. You should aim to break even or or do better. And there you go. That's this should be your next business, guys. Event planning for weddings on a break even profit revenue profitability. <laughs> I'd rather but- die. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, guys. I love dressing up in costume. And for Halloween, I like to go as concepts. Because oh, I'm a loser. No, because no, you're a pun master and extremely clever. And you had some really great Thank ideas you. this year. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah. you didn't get to do any of them. But do you want to share some I'm saving it for next year. I'm just going to oh, spoil okay. my Halloween costume for everyone for next year. Okay. This Tell- is what I wanted to go as, but I got bronchitis. So next year, I'm going as a penny for your thoughts. I already have all the supplies because I bought them all. But then I was too sick to do my arts and crafts. But I'm going to basically use Velcro... Whatever, it doesn't matter how. I'm going to put p- pennies all over my clothes and then wear fabric markers. And so you can take a penny and leave a thought. I'm super excited for next year. I love it. Let the countdown begin. Let it begin. Wow. So you didn't figure out how to affix the pennies to your outfit no, no, yet, no. right? Oh, no, no. I know how. I just thought like those details were boring and I was going to leave them oh. out. But I, I, I didn't. <laughs> but I know. Well, I was first, asking I'm Jen. I'm going to attach the first penny. <laughs> exactly. Then I'm going to attach the second um, penny. That would be my podcast. <laughs> my how-to DIY video will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So, Love it. Jen, what did you do for Halloween? Uh, I don't remember. Is that so sad? I think I was... <laughs> Home. Uh, yeah, guys, you know, this is my it's life. Not sad. I, it just wasn't that long ago. I know it was last, last week that I don't remember. No, I was on the Upper West Side and I walked mm-hmm. out and I realized where I was. I was like in the hub. But I, I guess all neighborhoods in New York are kind of the hub. But um, there were children everywhere and um, people don't really like to answer their doors in New York City. So like everybody from the houses were out on their stoops. It was just uh, the sheer amount of people I've, I really haven't seen out in the street in a long time. It was cool. It was cool. I kind of like blended into the crowd, trying not to be a creeper, but like also trying to feel like I was a part of it, you know? <laughs> Try, like that that like weird adult without a child walking along, like how adults without children aren't allowed in playgrounds. Like that No was costume, you. no child. Yeah. I don't know if you want to include this on the podcast, but I had a weird experience yesterday where I was sitting on the subway next to an eight or nine-year-old and he was completely by himself. And there was like not a lot of people on the train. We were like sitting next to each other and I was like, should I ask him if he's okay? If he's like, no, if he's okay to get home or is that, is that crossing a line? What do you guys think? Like, I don't know. I felt like I wanted to care for him, but I also didn't want to seem like Wait, a creepy adult. Uh, was he, was he, maybe he was an adult who never grew up. 
<laughs> that's what all children are. <laughs> uh, Wait, no, but that's wow. concerning. Are you sure he was unchaperoned? Yeah, he had a backpack on and he seemed like totally fine. He was like looking around. He's like swinging on the pole, but he was completely unchaperoned by himself. I would assume, I don't live in Manhattan, but I would assume an eight-year-old or nine-year-old kid can go to and from school on his or her own, no? And that's I just guess what so. they were doing? Yeah, maybe just, they can. I guess so. Like, they're that like cool. Like how you get on the school bus, but I know there's right. way too cool for us. Yeah, I just when never I see When I met that. New Yorkers in college, I always thought that they had already seen everything because they had. But like the New York version of everything. They're yeah, like, you always had naive. Ethiopian food. I know what it's like. It's like, you just have eaten the food. I've done okay. crystal meth. <laughs> cool. I've been on the street. I've been to MoMA and I've done crystal meth. <laughs> That's my life as a New Yorker. Yeah. My yeah. gut reaction as a parent is that you should have trusted your instinct to just casually and calmly say like, Hey, uh, just making sure you're okay. You know, you're 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 heading home. Mom and dad's cool, uh, but maybe I'm obviously biased because like you're a you're a friendly person and yeah. I know you, and also like you're a woman. Like, is it weird if a guy? He would have been like, "Shut different? up, old lady. I'm fine." Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's the worst that happens, great. But like, you know, better safe than sorry. I don't know. Am I, am um, I being paranoid? No, I'm glad to hear you say that because I was going to ask him to get into my van, but I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was crossing a line. It's like if I say it in a nice way, maybe it's not so creepy. Yeah, anyway. you have to be. You have to be cool about it. <laughs> Jen, what what does your van look like and what's inside it? Yo, I pimp my ride. Uh, it's just a big feather bed and a, like a, a snow globe. It's like being inside of a snow globe. There Guys, you go. I can't I laugh know. today. I cough. <laughs> oh my god, that's, oh, that's excellent. disappointing. Yeah. No, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of things that are super creepy, yeah. Can you explain creepy pasta to me and and our audience? Because like old school internet folks, I think know this, but I, I'm not into the creepy web, and I'm not into the ghost yeah, also, stories. Also, like whatnot. our whole audience is like, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we, why what are, is this? About? Why does Jen have a van? <laughs> <laughs> we now return to Jen's van. <laughs> hey, actually, be- before we leave from Jen's fa- van and go back into creepy pasta. <laughs> Yes. But our fans have been requesting something from you, actually, and oh. you have to do it now. I don't um, know why or how it's gotten started, but the fans this... have requested Jen speak in a southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> I think specifically I said I would say the following. Feel free to cut this out, Matt. I've always relied on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> You can't but, cut that out. They've requested it. But but you have to slide that into the conversation naturally. Okay. You can't okay. just say, okay, now I'm saying it, guys. I have an idea. I have an idea. Let's take it back to the van. Jen, okay. when yeah. you were a child, did you ever get in an unmarked van? Well, Allie, I've always relied on the kindness of strangers. That was excellent. <laughs> Man, I just feel like I didn't live up to Blanche Dubois, but you know what? It was okay. Jen, you killed it. You killed Thank it. You. All right. Thank creepy you. pasta. Tell Creeps, them what it is. Pastas. Okay. So, guys, online, there are places. There is a creepy pasta site. There's a creepy pasta Wikipedia. There are creepy pasta uh, Reddit threads. Places you can go to share the creepiest stories that you can possibly write. And um, it's just like a whole community across the internet sharing tales that evoke fear. Do you think I summed it up good, Allie? Anything to add? I sometimes they're they're based on like some kind of kernel of truth or something. They're almost like the internet version of um shoot, what is the word I'm looking for? Urban legends. Yes, that's it. Yes. Thank you. I knew there was a reason we kept you around, and that was right. it. 
And I was genuinely going to ask, is that what this is? <laughs> Urban legends that are have been circulating? Or is this like, hey, can you come up with, the, can you make up the creepiest story and try to creep I mean, me I out? think people are making them up, but it's kind of like the modern version of Urban Legends. But we'll find mm-hmm. out more with our guest. We will um, find Something out that I thought was interesting is that creepy pasta it, it's derived from copy and paste like i was like what's oh. what's i was like why italian food but actually nothing to do with italian food it's like from <laughs> copy and paste right i believe copy pasta is the no it's not a portmanteau but it's the derivative of copy paste where you like paste a bunch of text from a previous thing and then creepy pasta is the, the scary version of that is yes. that right yes right and um i don't necessarily want to go there too much today because it is so dark and sad but um, everyone is might be familiar with what happened in maybe it's 2014, 2015. So Slender Man is an example of a creepy pasta. And then in the real world, these two girls like believed it was real and therefore that they had to murder their friend. This is like a very true thing. Um, right. So it's very sad that that there's trouble between fact and fiction and reality that this is blurred mm-hmm. line. But um, but everything we're about to talk about with the creepy pastas, they're not real. People, they are not real. Unless they are. Unless oh, they man. are. I think you have something, uh, you you hit the nail on the head, but there, there's some sort of kernel of truth in it or something that feels like it could play into, something that could potentially happen in our own lives. There was some HP Lovecraft quote that I read on one of the creepypasta sites that said something along the lines of the oldest and strongest uh, emotion of humankind is fear and specifically the fear of the unknown, which I found really interesting because when I was a kid, I had a, I had a really strong fear of the unknown. Um, so every night before I would go up to bed I so there was a stairwell to to lead upstairs obviously but there was like kind of a wall that came halfway up the stairwell so walking up the first half of the stairs you could see the rooms on either side of the stairs the stairwell was in the middle of the room but then when you got to the second half of the stairwell you you could no longer see the rooms so I don't I don't know if you can get the visual but anyway you could kind of see the downstairs for half the stairwell couldn't see it for the second half and every night when I would go to bed, I would look around for walking up the stairs. I would look at all the rooms and like make sure I knew where everything was and nobody was standing outside of the windows. There were no robbers. Like Everything was cool. We were going up to bed. And then I would get to the second half of the stairs where I could no longer see. And I would always have this intense terror like take over where I would start to think, oh my God, what if I had missed? There was like somebody standing at the window. I would always picture there being a killer at the window that I had somehow missed. <laughs> and I knew like somehow inside of me, I was like, this has to be true that I'm, I'm going to miss it. And, and, you know, and we're all going to get killed in the house. Yeah, I had a similar fear, but it was like an alien at the window. <laughs> I mean, I joke about my fear of aliens. Like now I'm an adult and whatever. I think it'd be an adventure, but like as a kid, I actually like was really afraid that aliens were going to come and abduct me. Oh my god! <laughs> because that's plausible. Yeah. Had you seen something as a kid that made you feel that way? Yes, uh, my best friend Ian, when we were like in first grade, made me watch this alien movie called Intruders, and I was freaked <laughs> the fuck out. And then we 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 rewatched it as adults, and we were like, this movie is absurd. It also. <laughs> Has some famous people in it, which is really funny. Ben Vereen is in it and stuff. I think we've talked about this. <laughs> you have, you have. My experience is identical to Ali's, except with the movie E.T. Oh my God, Matt, tell me. Were you terrified? Because E.T. is a is an amazing film with presumably a lovable, friendly alien, but it really freaked me out. And someone recently wrote a Medium post that says, hey, 
remember E.T.? It was the scariest fucking movie, and here's why. <laughs> he, like, pops out of the cornfield. He yeah. kind of looks like a grotesque, you know, human penis, you know, with <laughs> eyes. And then he makes Wait, this case. Wait, what does which- your dick look like? Because <laughs> I have never seen a dick like that. <laughs> But then he makes this case that I never thought about before. Um, If you remember E.T., he is sort of connected, um, I don't know, biologically or spiritually with Elliot. So as E.T. is dying, uh, Elliot, the the human boy, is is sort of dying with him. And then as the ship returns, uh, E.T. kind of gets reawoken and then everyone's healthy again. But this writer, and I got to look up the article, maybe I'll link it in the show notes. He makes the case that like E.T. was in control of his own health for various Mm -hmm. like continuity reasons in the movie. So like E.T., this intelligent alien, knowingly like was killing Elliot and not doing anything about it, even though he knew his ride was coming to pick him up. Uh. And and so he's like dissecting the movie and saying like, whoa, E.T. is not what you thought it was. And like. I got to I got to give it to him. Like it's just, no. I never thought about this movie that That's way so interesting. My brother, my older brother had a lot of machismo as a little kid. I have no idea why, but like he thought he was the man. And when he was 6 years old, he really wanted to go see ET. So, and he begged my mother and he was and she's like, "No, you know, you're a little too young." And he's like, "No, I can handle it. I can handle it." So she took him to see ET. They were like in the front row, and I think when he, it was when he popped out of the cornfield, my brother made a bee, a beeline out of the theater. My mother like couldn't find him, and then he they had to go see Annie. <laughs> That's hilarious. (laughs) That movie is terrifying. I agree. I have another, I have a story about E.T. and my brother too, actually. I, my mother told me this, that, you know, they're sitting in the movie theater. What what year did it come out? My my brother must have been. 82. 82, which is the, which is the year of my birth. I don't know. You guys are a little younger. Okay. This story no longer makes sense because my brother would have been one. Okay, oh. but it was a huge phenomenon. So, like, it was on video, and you could, and it was probably re-released in theaters. If you're talking uh, about going to see it in theater, I okay. assume. Okay, because my mom told me, like, you know, that, that my older brother was like, I don't know, four or five years old or something, and they're sitting in the movie theater, and everyone's crying because ET is about to die. And my brother goes, "I just want him to die." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to rewatch it. You gotta rewatch. It's got Drew Barrymore in it too. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A spe- so spectacular movie, really, really amazing film, but mm-hmm. but dark, but in terrifying. Places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, speaking of creepy things and speaking of movies, I have trivia for you today. All right, what a shocker! It's a simple question. What classic 1970s horror movie, so this was before E.T., but but horror movies were obviously big in the 70s and 80s. What classic 1970s horror movie was later made into a video game for the Commodore 64? Now, lots of movies and franchises are made into video games today, but we're talking about the dawn of home video games and arcades. Uh, This was not a common occurrence, but there's a particular movie that became a video game. Okay. A, The Exorcist, which was released in 1973. B, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was released in 1975. Or C, Carrie, which was released in 1976. I will clarify that the video game came out significantly later. Uh, the Commodore 64 is the is in the early 80s. So this was sort of a, a classic, iconic 70s horror movie that became a Commodore 64 video game a bit later. I guess Rocky Horror, I mean, it's called Rocky Horror. It's considered horror, even though it's kind of funny, right? <laughs> like you would still put that in that genre. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's comedy okay. horror. Yeah, that's yeah. a musical. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, I'm having a hard time seeing Carrie as a video game. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to go with The Exorcist. I'm going to go yeah. with that, too. Just because the others don't really make sense as a as a, as a a game. I mean, Can't I can see Carrie it. being a game, right? I, I've never actually seen it, but she's, like, in high school murdering people. <laughs> wow. In this day and right? age, that's like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, <laughs> my God. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> holy cow. Um, all right. So, but wait, are you, you know going to go with? I'm going to I'm gonna go with Carrie to spice it up. All right. I'll go with Exorcist. Okay, one for Exorcist, one for Carrie. We will find out the correct answer after the break. Hey there, friends. Matt Silverman here, your friendly neighborhood producer, chiming in again despite Allie and Jen constantly telling me not to. I just wanted to pop in and say thank you to our sponsor, Penguin Random House Audiobooks. I wanted to thank them personally for supporting a long stretch of our shows uh, at the end of this year and uh, let you know that, like, books are amazing. I want to read more of them. But you know what? I I do a lot of reading in my day. I read a lot of articles to keep up on the news. I read a lot of emails. We do a lot of planning that goes into the show, a lot of discussion back and forth. And at the end of the day, I'm I'm tired of looking at screens. I'm tired of looking at text. It's exhausting and, and I know I need to do better. But in the meantime, if I want to read a book, if I want to get that experience, I can do it with my found time. That means after I'm done with work, I gotta clean up the dishes, I gotta clean up the kids' toys, I gotta put food on the table. I can listen to audiobooks while I do that. It's found time. For the exact same reason that podcasts are so great, audiobooks are so great. And the catalog at Penguin Random House Audio is second to none. Their narrators, their productions have won tons of awards. They publish at least a thousand audiobooks every year. So I don't care if you're looking for like an old classic that you read back in high school or a new favorite that's just coming out or that everyone's buzzing about. Penguin Random House Audio probably has it. Pop into the catalog, browse and download and you don't even have to sign up with some special account. If you already listen to audiobooks in an app like Audible on your phone, Penguin Random House Audiobooks are already there. And the theme this month is mystery and thriller. We've covered sci-fi and fantasy. This month is mystery and thriller. And we're talking about hot new titles like The House Swap by Rebecca Fleet, An Unwanted Guest by Sherry LaPena, or Past Tense by Lee Child. Check out those titles. Check out anything that you have been jonesing for. If you don't have a ton of time to sit down for hours with a book, pop on an audiobook while you're in the car, while you're making dinner, and enjoy. And thank you to Penguin Random House Audio for supporting Two Girls, One Podcast. And now a real advertisement entitled For the Witches and Strippers from the website where I order all of my unwrapped Halloween candy. Got a witch you need imprisoned in the town square? Perhaps the village idiot has crossed one too many lines, or some street rat has stolen bread? Then look below and no further as I have a set of working and locking stocks custom made by burly God-fearing hands that expect old-school Protestant justice. <laughs> So come haul them away and lock up whomever needs a good punishing. All for $150 or best offer. Mm -hmm. 
That's punishment value. You can't shake a stick at it. If you did, it would be to flog the intended victim. <laughs> Second on the block is a portable stripper pole constructed by the same burly God-fearing hands. Come on, you can't have Christianity without hypocrisy. <laughs> Large 4 by 4 base, 8-foot pole comes complete with bags of sand to weigh it down. You don't want that stripper breaking a leg now, do ya? Also, $100 are best offer. These items won't last long, call. Oh, text. <laughs> Jen, didn't you take a pole dancing class once? Wow, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I tried it. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. It was interesting. They teach you. I mean, it definitely is a much harder workout than one would expect. And the whole class was like about getting a workout. But uh, when you're trying to like hoist yourself up there, I have a newfound respect for people who can do that really, really well. (laughs) Maybe Uh, you should buy this pole and practice at home. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I was I was a little confused because both of those both of the witches in that ad sounded very similar and I couldn't tell which witch was which. Wait, oh, I got, Matt. yeah, I got, mm-hmm. nice, mm-hmm. nice, yeah, yeah. Also, the one of them sounded like she had bronchitis, which is like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up with that. She, Witches she don't should, get bronchitis. Yeah, don't they have a spell for that? <laughs> should have a potion yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah really, just fix that mm-hmm. shit. All right. All well, right. speaking of creepy witches, who would like the trivia answer? Um, what? Don't all right. shout at once. Don't I wanted know. us to just be silent for, <laughs> for dead at air. least fifteen seconds. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Today's trivia is about a classic 1970s horror movie that was later made into a video game for the Commodore 64. Uh, someone chose A, The Exorcist. That was Jen? Yeah. So long ago, I forgot. I forgot who chose what. Oh, man. It was me. And then, Allie, you originally chose Exorcist, but then you went with Carrie. You thought uh, choice C, Carrie, would be a fun video game, like murdering people at high school would be uh, a fun time. No, 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 no. no, no. Not a fun time, but I can Mm. see how you would walk through the halls it would be a part of the game i'm gonna stop what was carrie she had like she was possessed by demons and had powers she could like burn people is that what that was i've never seen it actually okay me neither 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 have i okay great so we don't know we don't know shit we don't know what we're doing so the correct answer for all the points is actually be rocky horror picture show which as you said is like this weird comedy horror mashup movie and it was I made into play a video that. game yeah i mean i guess sounds... because it's a cult hit so it probably has all kinds of spin-offs we're not thinking of oh my but that's god also what intrigued me of like the exorcist and carrie were like major phenomena of their time like their iconic films rocky horror is popular but i feel like it only achieved cult status like much later and even then was such a such not a mainstream movie it's about trans transgender transsexual people kidnapping people like it's such a bizarre fit for like hey let's spin off a tv show and a movie and a a video game but but there you go uh in 1985 uh it became a game for the commodore 64 and possibly other systems you can play as either brad or janet which is the engaged couple or the 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 yeah not newlyweds or the the, the fiancés um and you go around the mansion or the castle collecting pieces of the medusa transducer so you can unfreeze your partner and while you're searching for those pieces, the, the the people in the man, the creepy people in the mansion, will steal your clothes. And if you walk around the mansion too long naked, you can, I think based on gameplay that I was watching, you can like freeze to death, and then you lose the game. 
Oh my god, that's hilarious. This sounds amazing. I kind of want to play it. So you can see it on YouTube? Yeah, there's like they playthroughs of it clothes. on YouTube. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, what's the game called, Matt? It was a musical play, the Rocky Horror Show, before it became the Rocky Horror Picture Show as the movie. So I believe the game is called the Rocky Horror Show. And it's just the video game for Commodore 64. Oh, I assumed the movie was first. I don't yeah, know I, I don't know the history. chronology, but I think it's play first. I could okay. be wrong on that. That's awesome. Cre- creepy themes, uh, non-mainstream themes, you know, sex and gender themes, and also n- nudity. Not like total new. And these are like blocky pixels. This, you're talking about a video game from 1985, um, but like very risque for a home video game console in 1985. I was very surprised to see this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that movie's incredible, the way that it has taken on this status. that It's just, it's going to go on forever. Like there, it's still shown every weekend, I think, in my neighborhood in Chelsea and Manhattan. <laughs> and people still go dressed every up. I think it's every single like Friday or Saturday night at midnight, they have a Rocky Horror showing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How crazy that this has gone on forever. I really want to yeah. play that. I think it's so fascinating too, in terms of like the artistic projects you create and the lives that they have and how this like, I don't know. It's so unpredictable. Yeah. I'll note in watching and researching this that the music in the video game is pretty fantastic. It's uh, the time warp is part of the soundtrack. And it's, <laughs> yes. it's Commodore 64 is the 8-bit era or maybe even before that. So you're talking about monophonic like speakers just beeping at you. Uh, actually, no, there was harmony in the in the in the track, I think. But like really old school rudimentary music. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to it. And I'm like. Yeah, that's totally time warp, and it's really good. It works in it works. whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. All right. Well, that was a delightful piece of trivia, and that takes us to the creepy shit. Let's get on with our interview. Um, you guys ready? I am ready. Let's do it. It is time to get creeped out. We are here with Andrew Movitz, the founder of Creepy Pasta, also known as Cleric of Madness. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. How are you? I am well. How are y'all? We're good. Uh, we'd love for you to take us back and tell us about the founding of Creepypasta. Well, I'm only responsible for the wiki, but I was around, mm-hmm. like, right around 2008. I went all the way back, uh, 4chan's X-Board, that's the paranormal board on 4chan, a terrible otherwise place. But Creepypasta started off as little internet campfire stories, like short, snacky, things that you could share with your friends to scare the living crap out of them. And it was really <laughs> effective. Yeah. I don't know if you've read any early creepypasta, like Dogs Can Lick Too. That's one of my favorites. What, uh, what happens in Dogs Can Lick Too? Well, so this woman's going to sleep and her dog is licking her hand whenever she lays it under the covers. And so... She she wakes up in the middle of the night and she feels the dog licking her hand. She hears dripping in the kitchen or the bathroom, sorry. And she thinks nothing of it. And the next morning she wakes up and the dog, she goes into the bathroom and the dog's dead. And its blood is dripping uh, into the bathtub. And there's a note written on the mirror that says humans can lick too. No! Oh <laughs> yeah. my God. Yeah, I that's... got a chill. I got the chill up the spine. Congratulations. Yeah, that's, what, <laughs> that's what Creepypasta used to be. And nowadays, it's more of an exhibition for authors to showcase their writing. Uh, there are names and faces and characters attached to Creepypasta when originally it was all this anonymous affair. Like 
people would just post things on the internet and it would scare people, but nobody really knows who wrote some of the more famous original creepypasta Mm -hmm. because it was just in an anonymous format on an anonymous internet forum. Okay. And and you were writing stories at that time? Uh, I didn't start writing creepypasta until around 2009, but creepypasta proper, I think, started around 2005, 2006, really didn't hit a swing until 2007 and eight, and the popularity uh, on the wiki didn't really take off until 2012, but that's a little bit of a later format. Where you had things like Jeff the Killer, uh, Ben Drowned, where the stories went from being campfire stories to focusing on characters uh, like Jeff the Killers. And he is one of the most widely popular characters in Creepypasta, uh, right up there with Slender Man. Um, I read about these, unfortunately, but can you uh, fill our audience in on those two characters? Yes, uh, Slender Man is... Uh, a character that was created for the something awful uh, create a monster thread. Eric Nudson uh, created a, a set of two or three images where it was just a photoshopped picture of kids playing on a playground and then this blurry monster in the background. And that was Slenderman. And then people started writing stories about him and his popularity really took off as an icon character uh, as they are now referred to in mm, circles of creepypasta. Um, Jeff the Killer, uh, Suser, uh, uploaded a YouTube video in 2008 or 9 with a picture of uh, a person with a white face and exaggerated eyes and mouth. And it was really terrifying at the time. Um, but there really wasn't a story attached to it until Game Fuel TV uploaded the uh, infamous Jeff the Killer story to the Creepypasta Wiki in 2010 or 2011. And Jeff the Killer is a child who is bullied, um, gets set on fire with bleach on his face, and apparently that turns his skin white, and he becomes a homicidal killer. Guys, I'm so freaked out right now. Okay. Happy belated Halloween, everyone. (laughs) Spooky noises. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, you better be putting in some sound effects all around this shit so people have nightmares. Um, Okay, so then you started- That wouldn't be weird at all. (laughs) Okay, I don't want to make of the fact that you have that like on- Cued up. up. Uh, Okay. I'm ready for Um, it. So so then you started writing your own. Uh, why did you decide to? Where did you write them before you started your wiki? Um, or is that when you started your wiki? And what are some of the ones that you've authored? Well, I started writing because I really liked the format and I've always loved horror. I don't have nightmares, so I'm really jealous of people who do because I don't get scared by a great many things. So... What I find joy in is writing horrifying things that scare other people. I like taking other people's nightmares and turning them into a story that can then inspire fear in them. I started writing my first story in 2009, I think I said. Um, It was a short uh, creepypasta-style story about someone who had a scavenger hunt, and he had a list, and it was a list of names, and the, the character was like, well, that's what happens when you're the son of death. And... Yeah. And I really, I I didn't really write much until I started the wiki. And when I started it, I had no idea what I was doing and spent several hundred hours on that. 
and so in my free time, because I was unemployed at the time, I, I just wrote a lot. Uh, I have self-published a, a book, and I helped publish a couple of other people uh, in three different editions of uh, something I call We Go Bump, where I, with permission, of course, not that it's technically required since the wiki's stories are CCBYSA, which is uh, Creative Commons share-alike attribution, um, but just so people could say that they were published and I didn't make any money off of that. So the goal was to ha be able to then help people be able to say like, well, I'm a writer, I'm an author too. So I would love to get into what you believe are the elements of a really good horror tale. Ooh, that's really a good question. So <laughs> my favorite um, elements of horror are what I've been writing lately are you, you set up that people are much more terrifying than any monster could be. I recently wrote a story where it's gently implied that there is a actual living, breathing monster in this story. But what the people do is so terrifying that it's really not worth mentioning the monster. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, I also like the original creepypasta factor where it's just a short story and a few hundred words and it's a setup and a payoff. It, it's really short. It's really punchy. Mm -hmm. Something that you can't see coming. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a story like that in my youth that I remember about. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but it was like the girl with the green ribbon around her neck and nobody knew why she had the green ribbon around her neck and oh, it took I place remember. in Victorian times. Yeah. And then somebody pulled it off and her head fell off. And I just remember <laughs> as a child, it was a short story that I, I, I like screamed when that last part came. So it can totally, I totally remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that it's that gut punch at the end that you don't see. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like humans can lick too. Ugh. Right. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, fear of the unknown? Just like, I, I mean, I said, you said, uh, you know, people are scarier than any monster. But what about like that unknown monster factor sort of lingering in the background? The monster in that story was its own separate fear factor. The fact that, you know, if you realize that there was something actually monstrous lurking in there and it was just so casually discarded, that thought is also just as terrifying as the thought of people being evil. Uh, I'm, I'm right. a great fan of Lovecraft uh, and his, his cosmic unknowable horrors, but I don't think... I haven't really seen an effective cosmic horror story in a long time. Because oh, sorry, can you explain that a little more? Uh, Lovecraft, the and cosmic horror. Oh, Lovecraft wrote cosmic horror, which is this. His concept was we live on an island in in this solar system, and it is not meant that we venture far from it. To paraphrase, um, mm -hmm. cosmic horrors are these un unknowably powerful entities from beyond the stars and beyond the veil of reality and time and space that if they were to cast their gaze upon us, we would be to them as ants are to us. S mm -hmm. We are cosmically insignificant in the face of these uh, Lovecraftian horrors like Yogg-Sothoth and Azathoth and Cthulhu. Um, so it's just the it's just the cosmic insignificance factor and the fact that there are these creatures that if you saw them you would go mad immediately and they are so indescribably horrifying that oftentimes Lovecraft doesn't even bother describing them because I believe uh, to put it succinctly uh, if we were to describe it accurately both he, the narrator 
and the reader would go insane. Um, I went to the planetarium recently, and that sounds pretty accurate about what's going on out there in, in outer space. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. And, and also I, I like awesome. Star Wars, so there's <laughs> that. Yeah. And also Men in Black, that last shot where like it's on a cat's necklace and it's a whole galaxy. Mm. You guys remember that shit? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, spoilers. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Allie. Yeah, sorry. And then everybody dies. And then I found $20. Um, what's That's really interesting, though, just these concepts of fear, right? So like... Um, if the human is more scary because that's something that actually could maybe happen versus these like big cosmic horrors. Anyway, I asked you to define cosmic horror for everyone, but um, you were talking about something else. Well, well anyone remember? <laughs> Just that Andrew was a fan of, of Lovecraft and, and mm. that form of, of mm -hmm. horror. I'm a fan of Lovecraft, though I haven't read uh, very much of it, but the, the concept of the eldritch horror, that term eldritch, that it's more like another dimension. It's not like outer space. It's more like not demons but like creatures from another dimension that usually are tentacled they have they share these features with like sea creatures but they're so horrible as and as andrew described that they're unknowable this is all reminding me of event horizon which guys this is the scariest movie i have ever seen still <laughs> because wasn't there like one scene where they're like eating their own intestines anyway it's a ghost ship and it's terrifying what, <laughs> what? yes 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 Anyway, but I want to hear more from Andrew. So, <laughs> what else? What else scares us? Talk about like what are some more elements in the mix that people use in these stories? Well, I, I think Allie mentioned that the possibility that this could happen to you is very terrifying, and that is something I forgot to mention with the original creepypasta. What, what really made the genre terrifying is that some of these things could happen. Now, there's a there's a well known Reddit post, uh, the Smiling Man, where this guy is walking home from a bar one night and this guy just stumbles around and then just starts smiling really widely at him and just starts dancing towards him and then just dances right on off and it scares the shit out of the guy. <laughs> yeah. And then later somebody on Reddit uh, posted on a, have you ever seen a thread that was probably about you? And he was like, well, I was drunk one night and I saw this guy and I thought I'd smile really big and walk toward him. No. <laughs> yeah, it was real. What? Huh. More chills, more chills. <laughs> yeah, so the fact that this could happen to you and it has happened to somebody else, that is frightening. Yeah, although nobody died in that one, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was reading that some of the others are based on truth. Like there's this one about... Um, there's a creepypasta about Pokemon, actually, and that it was causing children to die and like have all these like... Uh, or causing them to go insane and kill themselves is, I mean, very dark. But then it was saying um, that it was based on a kernel of truth because there was some moment in Pokemon that did cause seizures. Yes, that's the you know? Lavender yeah. Town Syndrome story. So what are, what are some of these that are based in truth? Um, Lavender Town Syndrome, uh, the music part isn't really accurate, but there was an episode, I believe it was the Porygon episode, where uh, red and blue lights were flashing and it caused some Japanese kids to have a seizure, and so that's what that was based off of. I'm not really sure which creepypastas are actually based on more truth than fiction or any kernel of truth. But I know the Russian sleep experiment is a famous one because it, it, it just sounds realistic. Ooh, what's that one? Yeah, tell us about um, that one. The Russian sleep experiment is a story about a group of people who are deprived of sleep and at, for like a long time. It's been a while since I've read it, so I might be getting some of this wrong. Um, but 
after a long, long time, the uh, guy comes in and he's like, what's going on here? Because a bunch of them have died. And the one guy who who's, you know, not slept in forever, he, he's like, I don't want to sleep. I want to die. All right. <laughs> I, hope, um, I hope nobody's listening to this podcast while driving at night through a cornfield. Um, I hope nobody's driving do. through a cornfield. Also that. That's true. That always just feels like a creepy place to me, perhaps yeah. because I grew up near them. Anyway. I guess another question I had is the types of creepypasta. Like, I hear that there's gamer pasta and there's these like genres within creepypasta. Is that right? Yes. We have a bunch of subgenres. We have, like, if you want to get like strictly categorical, we have um, space, we have reality where things could or could not be real, we have um, monsters, ghosts, demons. You've got your video game creepypasta, which is subcategorized into Mario, um, Zelda, and Pokemon. Wait, there's that many about Mario that it's like subcategorized? What is Mario doing? Oh, man. Nothing The others kind of make more sense to me. But... Oh, yeah. There was Sonic, too, with the Tails doll story, which is just a story about some kid who buys a haunted Tails doll. That's really all there is to that one. What? <laughs> Oh, it's just haunted? Yeah. Okay. Most video game pasta really fall into the same like set of story beats where you you have somebody who goes to a garage sale, they find a cartridge, somebody warns them, maybe they don't. They mm, put it And it's they, haunted. Yeah, and it's haunted or you know, it, it, the characters are all dead, you're next, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Run of the mill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, we don't let those stories on the wiki anymore because they are just copy paste, find and replace stories at this point. I see. Yeah. Yeah. But if you were going to haunt something, what would you haunt? <laughs> oh, God. Good I'd probably question. haunt. I probably haunt my workplace just to make everyone's life as miserable as mine. <laughs> all right, all right, that got dark, which is appropriate. So, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> um, so, I would love to hear a little bit more about the community and who who these people are. Have Have you really gotten to know some of them? It sounds like a lot of people are perhaps writers. Um, yes, a large a large portion of our user base on the wiki are writers. We have people like Imperial Invective, who is an administrator currently. He's he's written a couple of stories, but he's really well known for um, removing bad stories. Bless his soul, having to deal with all that salt. Um, he he helps around with the writers' workshop where people can post their stories and get feedback. We have an entire feature for that where we use the forum systems to allow people to post their stories and everyone in the community can give feedback and help them improve. We have people like Banning. Uh, K. Benning Kellum, who has written the Tolbit series, which is really good. Uh, I suggest everyone read that. Um, he's an administrator as well. We have so many authors and so many fans. Like it, it's it's really a large split between writers and fans, but the most active users on our websites are also the authors or the editors. Right. And are these people making connections that you know of uh, offline? Yeah. I mean, I know a couple of people I've connected with further out in the community, like, because 
I've made connections with other narrators and other uh, writers. Like I've, I've not personally met cause Mississippi, but I, I've met, <laughs> yeah. I've met no sleep authors. I've met, um, narrators like Abysme and, uh, the people who do midnight marinara. I've been on that podcast a couple of times. Um, I've met a bunch of great people in the community and with the more people that come to the wiki, the more connections are made. There are people who do book signings and I know those people. And so I've gotten to, I've gotten to know a lot of authors and a lot of people in the community just over the last couple of years. And so you said there's a forum for people to publish essentially drafts and get feedback. You also mentioned helping people self-publish. What are other ways that you support the writers in the community? That is a great question. Oh, I got it. <laughs> God. I mean, that's enough. <laughs> I feel like you're doing a lot, Andrew. You're doing a lot. I just, I just think it's, I was just very curious because, you know, as a, um, you know, passerby, we read these creepy stories and that's kind of it. And it's really nice to know that there's actually that element of the community. Yeah, I, I do um, upload. Uh, I, I am currently in the process of uploading a YouTube series called Tales of Abuse, where I go through the wiki's abuse filter log, which is uh, an automated system where we block certain words like killer in, in titles to prevent people from uploading samey X the killer stories. And I, I, I take a story that is caught by the filter. I read it and then I explain why we don't let those kinds of stories on the wiki. And then I give one or two ways of how I would write an original story using that genre. So I'm trying to help inspire people to transform what we already have and the standards and the cliches into something great. I also read that a lot of these stories actually have had spinoffs, like some of them have been made into to TV shows and definitely digital series. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I think the most well-known example is the original Slenderman uh, images, which were turned into um, Everyman Hybrid, which was a YouTube series. Um, God, I am blanking on those names, but there was a whole, there was like two or three uh, YouTube series back in 2008, 2009, 2010, where it was focused on the observer, the watcher. It was Slenderman, but not Slenderman, since Slenderman is copyrighted. There have been spinoffs of Jeff the Killer. There are hundreds of those bloody things. Uh, there's Jane the Killer, and then, then Lou, the homicidal brother. Um, oh my God. Is he Jeff's yeah. brother? Yeah. What a family. In the story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. But okay. people people like taking uh, established creepypasta and writing stories about them. That's why I call that um, like super subgenre or just basically a subgenre of creepypasta icon pasta because it focuses on a character rather than, you know, fear of possibility or the unknown. Mm -hmm. it, it focuses on certain characters. And so those are the things that people like to take and then write about. But we don't allow those sorts of spinoffs on the wiki because um, most of the characters that they're writing about are like copyrighted, like Slenderman, but also because the quality of them does not fit with the overall quality standard of our website. It sounds like it's fan fiction for it, it is. 
Uh, this might be a dumb question because I'm really not plugged into this culture, but who owns Slenderman? And what is the backstory of that? I just assumed it came out of this uh, urban legend creepypasta communal thing, but maybe it, but clearly someone owns it. Uh, Victor Serge, who is uh, Eric Knudsen. Knudsen? I'm probably mispronouncing his name. But uh, he, he wrote it. He, he wrote a couple of sentences and had a couple of images on a something awful contest and he copyrighted it. He sold the option rights to a movie studio a couple of years back. And then they finally made the Slender Man movie this year. Got it. Okay. So this was not, this was an example of, of a single author who had the foresight to say, I got something here and I'm going to, going to protect it and license it some, yes. someday. Yeah. Smart. Smart. Um, I don't. I don't know if we want to go there because it's sad and dark. But what was the community's response to the Slender Man? You know, the girls who attempted murder. Ah, uh, yes. Um, we see. Uh, the funny thing is, well, not really funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, the thing about that was, uh, the news broke on my birthday, and I was traveling, so I really couldn't get a handle on the situation, and so, um. I got in contact with uh, one of my admins, Slosh Train, uh, and we put up a we put up a uh, statement on the front of the page, on the front of the web, uh, wiki, rather, uh, saying that you know these are works of fiction, you know, and everyone really understands that, and the entire community, like I think Eric Nudson. Uh, put out a public statement. Creepypasta.com put out a statement, I believe. Uh, there were charity events uh, to raise money for the victim. Um, and so this, we wanted to make it clear that this is not what we as a community are about. We're not, you know, satanic yeah. sacrificers killing kids in the woods. Oh, for sure. For sure. Are there, were there any mental health ish initiatives that came out of it? Or? I am not aware of whether or not there are, but we, we don't allow, you know, discussions of, of such stuff in the first place we oh yeah, yeah. no it's not relevant on the creepy yeah. yeah got it got it all right well just thought i'd ask that really horribly uh depressing question so i'm glad everybody's um, depressed now <laughs> tuned out now great 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 have any new icon pastas popped up recently or any characters you think andrew could potentially become icons um not really i th i would really say that we're past the icon pasta era of creepypasta and we're now in the authors as the face of creepypasta instead of icons as the face because okay. reddit is so well known and no sleep is so popular that authors are becoming authors for the sake of telling horror stories like you've got channel zero uh who is taking famous no sleep stories and making them into a uh, television series you've had uh candle cove was the first one and so there really aren't many icon pastas that I see running through here. The ones that I do see are the ones that I see in the abuse filter log when I look through them and they're all kids who bad things happen and then they go crazy immediately. So no, not anymore. Um, I have written stories where there are characters that have the potential for becoming, you know, icons, but they're not the focus of the story. They're just named characters that are there. I had one more question. I read something about lost episodes where like if a TV show doesn't air an episode because it's too creepy, that creepy pastas sometimes will use it. Yes. Um, Is that right? The, the really first uh, lost episode story 
I think anyone read was uh, Dead Bart, where supposedly the Simpsons have a weird way of counting episodes. And one of them is a one where uh, Matt Groening uh, killed Bart and then really spooky stuff happened. But uh, funny enough, I got contacted, uh, I think in 2012, by one of the uh, writers of The Simpsons. And it's like, hey, what's what's with all this bullshit about The Simpsons? I'm like, hey, man, it's just a story. Chill out. He's like, oh, cool. Now, there have been creepypasta that have turned out to be true about lost episodes. There was Crybaby Lane, which was a Nickelodeon movie that was only aired once, one Halloween, and nobody had a copy of it. And people were talking about how horrifying it was for children and that Nickelodeon never re-aired it because it was so scary because parents protested and there was just horrifying shit that happened in it. And so somebody found a VHS recording that they had of part of it. And that was the first step. And then Nickelodeon aired the movie a couple of Halloweens ago. No. What is it about? And why is it so scary? Oh, it was about um, twin brothers and they had died and one of them was evil and they had to find the uh, twin and bury him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> man i mean i guess for a child i used to watch like are you afraid of the dark and was scared so that would have terrified me yeah god bless that show (laughs) Nickelodeon. that was a canadian show it was canadian yeah (laughs) oh that's so nice i have one more final question Mm -hmm. yes if you'll permit me Uh, yes as a a non-host yes matt fine andrew you're immersed in creepypasta you're immersed in scary supernatural stories do you the person the man do you believe in supernatural things oh of course good Good closer matthew good closer i i collect you do yeah i collect uh books about the supernatural and the paranormal uh i have um the simon necronomicon i have a copy of the ars goetia i have a lot of books on on ghosts and and uh magic rituals and stuff like that i don't practice any of that but i do study it because it is a part of what i write and so uh some little bit of faith is needed to uh i believe write horror you have to believe that things are scary in order to write things that are scary got it okay so yeah you you were studying something is not the same as you know you could study greek myths and and know that zeus is not a real person or god necessarily spoiler alert um (laughs) but but you're saying that you 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 study but then the piece of you wants to believe or or does actually believe that ghosts or the undead or something of that sort is a real phenomenon oh yeah i mean there's nothing to lose from believing that ghosts are real i've seen things that i can't explain and i've caught glimpses out of the corner of my eye every now and again uh so yeah, there's my mind playing tricks on me, or there's friends lurking. I like to believe they're friends lurking. I think they're friends lurking. Thanks for being so reasonable, because I've definitely seen ghosts, as we all know on this podcast. <laughs> so, ah. <laughs> heard, heard them, heard them. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Andrew, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. It's been totally creeptastic. <laughs> everybody, check out the Creepypasta Wiki. Glad to be of service. Terrified.
terrified. <laughs> I, I can't tell like I can't tell if the genre's for me or not because I definitely get scared. I almost think I should like write a creepy story and maybe because because he was saying like you're if you're able to be scared, like you'll probably write the story as well or something. But it scares me so much I don't even want to read them. <laughs> yeah, I what I found most interesting about that conversation is I had sort of thought of it as just like another crazy part of the internet, you know what I mean? But actually yeah. like horror is a genre and it's right. a timeless well-known genre and this is an extension of that and so it was interesting to hear about the writers and them you know basically practicing and you know writing new horror stories and how Mm -hmm. that's translating into uh television and these other media yeah and this this idea that it went from like this anonymous communal wiki style thing where everyone's just having a good time to like oh i love this author and i love that author and i'm following particular writers as opposed to just logging in to get my my creepypasta fix. That's a fascinating shift for the internet, yeah. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, the evolution is interesting too because definitely as we were talking about at the beginning, the the early creepypastas sound more like urban legend, you know, with the hand licking and all that. But now it's like more, it seems like it's much more full-blown stories. I was fascinated that he doesn't get scared and he doesn't have nightmares. Have you ever heard such a thing? Yeah, it's like, what kind of person is that? Doesn't does have that nightmares. Mean? What does like, that say? So I guess maybe he's like not processing all the crazy shit that happens in life at night. So he has to write about it or something. I don't know. I can't. Yeah. Well, who doesn't get scared? I know a lot of people who tell me that they don't um, have dreams. So maybe he just doesn't have dreams at all. Maybe. That sounds maybe so sad. Like, but you know what I mean? They don't remember. <laughs> maybe only has like sweet dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Have we talked about that? Like, uh, like I don't remember any of my dreams. I'm sure that everyone has them, but I, I don't recall and therefore I, I can't access them. I think we've talked about this. So you're one of these folks we're just talking about? I, I get like, uh, yeah, I, I don't. Very little. Very, very I want to start I guess. writing mine down because I'll remember them for like a minute and then totally. they like it's weird how quickly they fade. Like last night I had really vivid dreams and I already like cannot really place them. But Matt, even when you wake up in the morning, like it's just like a little tidbit of what happened, but you don't really know. No tidbits. Uh, absolutely no tidbits. nothing. No, no, oh, I got nothing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Do you wake up and you think maybe like a minute has passed? Like you have no idea? Um, I don't know. I, I Consciousness is weird. You wake up and you're just, uh, I mean, I don't know. Part of it is like my kids are the alarm clock. So like someone's right. screaming and like it's time to get up and you don't really have the mental energy or time to be like, what was I just, where was I just now? It's like, nope. Uh-huh. <laughs> got to change a diaper. Right, right, right. Hmm. Huh. Our lives are different. Are you do you get scared, Matt? <laughs> uh what what does that mean? <laughs> well, no, like he was saying like he doesn't have he's like I don't have nightmares, so like I just I don't I don't even get scared. <laughs> he's talking about like he doesn't get scared in life. I, I think I I've know. only I think I I've mentioned this on the show maybe but like you, the I, only I think thing i know where I this is going yeah vivid dreams of my kids falling off of tables and dressers and then me jumping out of bed to try to like save them or whatever that's wow. all i got and then i and it's and then the I dad don't, creepypasta that's the dad sub genre yes, exactly that's yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep dark genre daddy pasta uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then secondly um i don't believe in anything supernatural at right. all from god to ghosts to uh, aliens is is not is a different category but um so i found it fascinating i am i am fascinated by rational intelligent people jen yourself included who are like yep i saw a ghost one time and i'm like really what's up with that <laughs> yeah. well do you believe that people can be more terrifying than monsters <laughs> uh, sure 
of course yes. that that's i mean scary stories and movies and games like that's awesome like that's yeah. great fiction but it, but yeah. it has no corollary to real life mm-hmm. aside from like serial killers are real and they're very scary and here's a story about that yeah truth is uh is scarier i think mm-hmm. speaking of scary stuff I had no transition. I got no. I got no way to, <laughs> just to, go to bridge. Just go just for go it. Just go for it. All right. Just do it. Speaking of speaking of people picking up a phone and talking about creepy stuff over the phone in a no. creepy way. No. We have a new voicemail. Oh, great! All right, what do we got? Hi, this is Jen. This is Allie, and you've reached two girls, one voicemail. Please leave us a message. Thanks for calling. Hey, Jen and Allie, big fan of the podcast. I uh, just wanted to call in to see if you guys have ever considered covering Forrest Fenn. Now, you might have might have heard of him. Basically, this guy who, you know, walked out into the Rocky Mountains and hid a little treasure chest with, you know, items in there containing more than a million dollars from what I've, what I've read. There are subreddits or Facebook groups of people obsessed with trying to find this treasure. Um, there are even have been some people who have moved to certain locations near the Rocky Mountains to pursue this treasure hunt uh, full-time. But yeah, just wanted to call in, suggest this topic, maybe for the podcast. Um, Hopefully you guys become more interested in it. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) I was a treasure hunt. Yeah, I was convinced he was going to be like, when you find it, you die or like something terrible. (laughs) But that sounds pretty cool. I'm surprised that people move full time. What do they do for money before they find the treasure? (laughs) The treasure. You're just banking on that that treasure to pay your bills. Yeah. What what is it called? Forest Finn? Yeah. So I I did a tiny bit of research into this and it is definitely a community. A forest spelled uh, like Forrest Gump. The name Forest, obviously. Forest Finn is some wealthy person who is like seemingly... I just want to fuck with the internet and bury treasure somewhere. And there are now sizable communities who are following clues to try to reach this treasure. And uh, and Forrest Fenn is alive, apparently. And he has stated in the media that, like, some people have gotten close to the treasure, but no one has actually found it or, like, like honed in on it fully so see, but he says it's real he says he has hidden a million dollars right he says it's real there are objects i don't think it's cash i think it's a combination of objects that are worth uh at least a million dollars like a used condom sure sure yeah uh and who knows if this guy's full of shit but like people are legit out there and i think this would be a great topic to talk to one of those treasure hunters let's do it i want to do it let's talk to forrest fenn jeez the man so the yeah. man and we're and he's creating all the clues obviously right he's creating the scavenger hunt i think hunt. so i think so Aww. yeah like a like a sca- like a big scavenger hunt for shits and giggles like this rich guy is just like yep i'm going to kick back and watch the show i think that's great that's wow, kind of so awesome creepy. my best friend ian either knows about it or is going to be obsessed <laughs> he loves yeah. he like makes scavenger hunts for people and choose your own adventures and stuff it's adorable Love it. Uh, so thank you to this caller who who did not leave their name. So uh, we don't thank know who you, you anonymous are, but thank man. you for listening to the thank show. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we definitely want to hear from you anytime. We love getting your voicemails, emails, uh, you know, tweet at us. So on Twitter, I'm at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. 
I'm at Ellie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. If we enjoy the email, maybe we'll read it on the show. And uh, just like what you heard, we might play your voicemail on the show. So give us a call. And that number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6548. You can also join us in our Discord server. And that is discord.gg slash 2G1P. And lots of listeners of the show come there. We (laughs) pop in here and there. And I also wanted to say if you join our Discord, um, we'll let you know what guests are coming up and you can submit questions. Yeah, and show ideas too. Um, And then we have a Patreon because, you know, we need to run the show. So if you want to make a contribution, uh, head on over to that. Ali, where can they find that? Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Yeah, tape is expensive. So we need to to buy a lot of reel-to-reels to make this show possible. So we appreciate your support. And I want to buy a Commodore 64 so I can play the Rocky Horror show thing. (laughs) All right. Great. Great. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Tamula and murdered in an underground sewer system. I mean, edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing on this episode by Logan Yuri. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is supported by Penguin Random House Audio, publishers of award-winning mystery and thriller audiobooks that you can download wherever you already listen to your favorite audiobooks. Listen to old classics and new favorites while you drive, while you work out, or while you plot the killing of your enemies. I mean, wash the dishes. Learn more at penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash twogirlsonepodcast or search for your favorite penguin titles in your audiobook app. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Come on, you can't have Christianity without hypocrisy. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I it's kind of funny. I can't uh. laugh. I can't laugh. I can't laugh. I can't laugh. Ha!